You're listening to Casual Talk Radio, where common sense is still the norm. Whether you're a new or a longtime listener, we appreciate you joining us today. Visit us at casualtalkradio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Casual Talk Radio would like to welcome you back if you're not new or welcome you to the show if you are new. My name is Leister. I am, it's dark outside. It is pitch black outside. I made a mention on social media about this. It's pitch black outside. I've, I'm used to this from like, you know, Alaska, you know, so I'm not used to this from the, no, not so much the mainland, but I guess I just better get used to it. I have a couple of personal updates and these I think may be of interest to you. So if they are, reach out. Couple points. First, there's a pizza on the way. So this will be a short episode today that rhymes. Second, there's a couple of things that we're doing for CTR, the brand. CTR, if you're new, is the parent organization over all of our shows. We have four shows, Casual, which you're hearing now, Crypto, Combat, and then our uh, actual radio station that's on uh, TuneIn on air, broadcasting 24-7. And I've mentioned that there's going to be some shifts in programming, and what we're doing is the radio, the actual radio show itself is going to be introducing some of our podcast content into the radio show. So you can listen to things live. We'll be doing a rotating schedule. So the way this is going to work is that the recording that you're hearing me do right now, I'm recording this at some point prior to you actually hearing it in this. If you're on the radio station, you'll be able to hear the recording live as it's being recorded. This will validate that Leister is never scripted. So that's going to be exciting. That same recording is what will go to the podcast. So if you don't get a chance to listen live, like, you know, maybe you're on your J-O-B, you know, you don't have an opportunity to do that. No problem. Now, I would argue that if you're at your job and you're working hard and it's a white-collar desk-based job that you're bored to tears with, you can listen to our radio station, Classic Tunes Radio, 24.7 on TuneIn on air or your streaming device of choice and, you know, hear it on live. If you want to do that and try it out, it does play a blend of different throwback musics from different eras. We're talking British invasion, 60s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s. Just the other day, it was, it was playing some Janet Jackson. And I just, you know, I have my, my moment because she's, she's awesome. So if you want to check out some of that throwback music that, and I think the demographic of those listening to the show fits right in, square in to some of the music that you might hear that's a favor. And I will warn you that you might hear artists that you've never even heard of, or you, you recognize the voice, but you can't place it. It does tell you who the artist is, and you can actually buy the song if you want directly from the player. So I think it's pretty cool, and it's still in the process of being built out. There's a lot more coming. If you want to check that out, ctronair.net is where you want to go. On the left, you're going to see shows. Under there, you'll see Classic Tunes Radio. Click that, and then the player is right there. Just hit play, and you're off to the races. If you have a car or some other device, you can go to TuneIn on Air if your car supports this. Tune in on air, you would support, you would basically search for Classic Tunes Radio and it should come up there. So you can listen either of those ways. The site is changing, so we're going to have a brand new site, brand new fascia for the website. And as I build out the schedule, just to refresh, because some are new to the show. Casual Talk records currently every Monday. We're going to be shifting back to the two days per week once the radio stuff's set up. So that'll be every Monday and every Wednesday. And sometime after... Eh, 5 p.m. Central Time, sometime after. It would never be before that. It's always sometime after 5 p.m. Central, usually sometime between 5 and 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. There'll be a posted schedule on there, 
so you'll be able to time it if you want to listen to the show. Crypto Talk records every Tuesday and every Thursday, same time slot. Combat is usually every Saturday or Friday, depending on what's going on with the events. So we'll have that spread. And then the plan is to introduce other types of content creators from different areas, not as guests on any one show, but so that they can have basically a slot, a time slot of their own where they're on the radio and they're talking about their content. We, we know a lot of creators that have a lot of great information and a lot of great stuff to share with you across the span. And we're really excited about the potential of what this could mean for our radio uh, endeavors. And then the last update is we're going to be doing video. We're going to create our own video platform. Essentially, it's going to be hosted on ctronair.net, where we'll be getting back live on the video channel side. So keep tuned on all that side. Today, as I see that they're about to wrap up the delivery here in about the next uh, 15, 20 minutes, I wanted to talk about something that came up and it ties to this update that we're doing for CTR. And it's around women, mostly not women in terms of love life, women in terms of their, what we perceive as equality or lack of equality, what we perceive as unequal treatment, unequal pay, and certain women, entrepreneurial women who are pushing the envelope but also certain women that are struggling to just kind of get the foot in the door. This got me thinking as I was building this out and trying to create what I've got in this brand. One thing that was inspired when I saw, I was doing some research on some other things and I saw somebody mention something and I was like, hmm, that may be a good idea to consider. And I do plan to build this out. I got to figure out the paperwork of it. It'll probably not be till 2024, just as a warning. But one thing that I will be looking into introducing for the show is the concept of a brand ambassador. The brand ambassador, the ideal person, if it's something that piques your interest, but the ideal brand ambassador would be somebody who is in college, actively in college now, who likes the throwback music of it and wants to introduce other people to it, but also wants to talk about some of the other content things that we're talking about, whether that's, you know, some of our book discussions that we talk about or some of the topical matter we talk about or politics or something that we've discussed and it's of interest and you want to share that and expand that, but you also want to spread the word to more people with this, that person is going to assist with certain programs and giveaways that we're going to be doing over the next couple of months that we got to build out where I'll be doing really fun things like a kind of Easter egg type of situation. You all have codes that are read live on the radio and you have to be listening for the code, a way that you can then call in, quote unquote, to give the answer, and then you can win a prize. So there's a lot of cool things happening there. But the brand ambassador there in my mind, somebody really excited, really that's really energized, they're going to go and get out there and get the word out, get people engaged, interested, and excited about not only the radio, but also our podcast, different things. There may be certain people out there that have been interested in some of the topical matter. They just didn't have a good source of some of the content. And that's any of them. We have a lot of diverse content out there. And I think it's a good time to look into broadening our scope as it were and putting the word out there and seeing what we get and hopefully helping some people out along the way. So when we get this all built out in my mind, again, the ideal person would be somebody who's in college. This is not a requirement. This is ideal state, but somebody who would be in college somebody who favors the throwback music and it could be any of the genres. I'm not picking a genre because we have a lot of genres. I've got all sorts of genres, people that you wouldn't expect. And I'm constantly expanding the genre pool. It just, I have to turn those into, you know, uh, MP3s to be able to add them to the air. 
So that's going to happen over the next couple. But somebody who likes to throw back music, somebody who in their mind, you're kind of old at heart. You know, you got an old spirit and you like throwback music, throwback styles of clothes, throwbacks, ways of speaking. You don't, you know, you're not like the people that you hear around the school saying jeet and keck and all that stuff. You're, you're a little bit more level-headed. You don't listen to all that garbage and you, you want to work, right? You, you want to sit down and work a job, a J-O-B. You want to be a strong contributor and you want to stand out in the crowd and you want to get somewhere. Part of this that I went through this and I told the story and I may repeat it on a future episode, but part of this is simply having that opportunity, you know, somebody that can mentor into kind of the quote real world of working and somebody that's interested in that, having that mentor help them out. And in exchange, you're an ambassador for the show an ambassador of what we do. It can be something as simple as, and believe it or not, it can be something as simple as, you know, maybe you're not as good at public speaking. Maybe you're not as good or confident in speaking in a forum or speaking in a meeting or speaking online or something like this. Maybe you're not comfortable talking on the phone, right? There's things that there's other tertiary things that may be advantageous in this role for the right person. We will have to be somewhat rigid because the plan is to only have the one. This will be a 1099. And if you don't know what that means, it simply means that you're not an employee, but you are paid by the company and you'll have to handle the tax situation. But I think it'll all work out for the good in what I have in my mind. The last piece I'll mention on this is as women talk about how hard it is to get into the workspace and to get that experience and grow as a result, there may be opportunities for me to help that person uh, get over those barriers. So let's talk barriers a little bit deeper because I think it's important to put some framework around what we mean. There's multiple ways to interpret a barrier. Some of this was brought to, some of this is obvious, but some of this was brought to light with various reading I've done and analysis I've done. And I want to get in front of certain naysayers. There's not a lot of these, but I want to get in front of it. There's a fallacy that a male cannot speak about the plight of women. I want to stress the plight of women. It, it's not like it's not obvious in certain avenues. So anybody who's halfway educated can share an opinion about it, regardless of what you think. So I will share that opinion. I encourage anybody who is offended by what I said to stop listening to me because I'm a straight shooter in the world of sensitivity. I don't like the fallacy that a male can't speak about a female, a female can't speak about a male, a white person can't speak about a black person. These are fallacies. Everybody can have their opinion and you can choose to entertain the opinion, ignore the opinion, disregard the opinion, dismiss the opinion, share your own opinion. As long as it doesn't get to the point of tossing fists or worse shooting guns, Everybody can share an opinion and should be encouraged to do so, not discouraged to do so. So I don't play that. I will share what I've, I'm almost swore. I will share what I feel like sharing. So certain of these is obvious. Certain of them are obvious, but there is a problem in the obvious. Let's talk about the job market. We have to segment job market, blue collar, job market, white collar. If you don't know the definition, because maybe you're younger on the, on the slide, A white-collar job is essentially you sitting at a desk doing something. Effectively, that's what it is. That's not exactly, but effectively, it's what it is. You're sitting at a desk doing something, and you're not paid by the hour. You're paid by the day, effectively. You're paid the equivalent of an eight-hour day in the United States. That's a white-collar worker. An accountant is a white-collar worker, right? Somebody who works in finance is a white-collar worker. Most people that work in IT, if not all of them, are white-collar workers. 
a blue collar worker is on the flip, somebody who for the most part does not work at a desk the vast majority of the day. You're usually outdoors, right? Not all, not always, but usually you're outdoors, but it's, it's hands-on it's labor intensive, often requires certain skill sets, requires certain non-specialty training. The thought behind a blue collar job is that anybody should be able to be trained to do it. This then becomes the first disconnect of the fallacy that certain women are blocked from jobs. Let's talk blue collar. I know plenty of women and their stories are online if you want to check yourself. You don't have to listen to me. I know plenty of women who work blue collar, women who work construction, women who work assembly, women who work on oil, women who work in gas, women who are landscapers, women who are painters, women who are carpenters, women who are paint, they work in paint shops, retail, right? Blue collar, women can do blue collar. However, certain of these trades are simply outside of the scope of what a woman can do, biologically speaking. What do I mean without offending anybody? If we're talking steel girders, right? Steel railing, steel beams, we're talking heavy things that require excess strength. We generally have machines that can do these things. As long as you know how to operate that equipment, it's not a problem for you to be in it and gender has nothing to do with it. But what if you don't have that equipment because maybe you're inside a home and you have to carry it inside of a frame so that you can lift it into place and hold it into place? Most women are not equipped to be able to do that biologically speaking simply because our statutes are, are, are different, right? You cannot equate somebody who's like 200 pound dude who lifts and a, a female of whatever weight. Even if the female lifts, it's a different body shape. It's a different muscle definition and mass. It's not equivalent. They might be able to pull it off. You know, let's say you're a Rhea Ripley or something. Let's say bodybuilding is what you do. But that's the outlier exception. To have women that are that strong is the outlier exception. These are factual things you can see for yourself. So there are certain blue-collar jobs that women are steered to. So you didn't know I was going to go there. But there are certain blue-collar jobs women are steered to. I'll tell you a story. 1998, I applied for and arguably accepted, and I shouldn't have, but I did, a job at Staples. And this is during the time when there, there was no cell phones or, you know, so I applied, you, you had to go in, you fill out an application at the store. And in their case, they told you to go up North. There was a place up North for their orientation. It's a room, kind of a shady looking office and a bunch of people. And you're watching all the orientation videos about sexual harassment and the whole nine. That's all it was. And then they assigned you to a store. They did not assign me to the store that I wanted. I wanted to be in the store that was closest to my home. They, sh they shipped me up to the store that was actually further away, which meant I had to get a car, and that's a whole different problem. But I also told them I wanted to work in the electronics department because, of course, I have the aptitude for it. There was no reason, you know, computers. There's no reason to have me do anything else because this is what I'm good at. This Staples, and I don't know if it's still the culture, it probably is. Staples had a, a standing order. If you're a male, you're essentially going to be guaranteed you're going to be working the back. Working the back means you're lifting these 200-pound desks off the top rack for some elderly lady. You're restocking shelves. You're doing things that are heavy labor. Girls are the only ones who work the cashiers, including the computer area. A lot of them didn't know what they were talking about. 
so it would frustrate the customer. But that was the standing order of Staples at the time. I was directly told by management, women work the cashiers, guys work the back because they have the strength to pull it down off the rack. That's why we do this. I wasn't there for very long. I think I only worked there for two weeks and I was done. Not because of that, but because there was a situation with my peers where I was basically doing all the work and I wouldn't have it anymore. And I wasn't paid enough for what they were forcing me to do. And they, and as a secondary, they didn't put me where I felt I should be. But that was, that was the reality of retail. That was the first and only time I ever worked retail. And I would never going to do it again because if that was going to be the bias, which is you're a girl, you're so helpless. We're going to force you on the cashier. You're a guy, we assume strength. So we're going to put you in the hard labor, ignoring your competency, ignoring your skill set, ignoring what you're good at. We're just going to shift it this way. You talk about gender discrimination. You can't get a cleaner definition of set. Then there's the other bias of, well, girls can only work, you know, customer service, call center, right? And predominantly call center is dominated by women. This is a reality has been for a long, long time. There's the assumption that women at the fast food, right? Generally speaking, are not working the fries. They're not working the burgers. They're not working the back. It's the guys, right? And the women are usually working the cashiers. Generally speaking, you don't see women janitorial. This doesn't mean that they can't. It means that there is the assumption that the best place for them is at the front, cashier, working the register, working with the customer, et cetera. So the fallacy that women cannot get a job is straight this. It's a fallacy. Where it goes wrong is the level of jobs. So now let's switch over to the white collar. In the white collar, it's a whole different ballgame than blue collar because white collar cannot be trained very easily depending on what it is. Let's take accounting. I know of no company that will train an accountant. They're going to expect you to have a certain level of experience coming in the door. They're going to expect you to have a certain degree coming in the door. So you wonder, how do you get your foot in? How do you get that first start? And usually, unless you are lucky enough to work for a company that was willing to give you a chance while you were interning, it's not going to, it's just not going to happen. So a lot of companies have just resorted to hiring college grads and calling it a day. And then they're not satisfied with the work product because in order to work in the white collar, you're expected to know how to do meetings. You're expected to know how to do your time management. You're expected to answer the phones. You're expected to do these soft skills that many of the younger folks are never, it's never enforced upon them. See, again, I told the story for those new, I'll tell it again. Back in my day, you know, talking on the phone, we took it for granted. We talked on the phone all the time. So I didn't have a problem talking on the phone. Even when I worked my first job and I had to talk to customers, eventually I got used to it. And then I worked customer service and it became easier and easier. It was never this current rush away from talking on the phone. I actually have friends who have actively told, I don't have text messages, you need to call, and they don't call. It's cool. You know, they're busy people. I'm not as busy as they are because I work for myself. But they actively will not call. No matter what I try to do, they will not call. And, I, and then they'll say, well, I tried to reach you. How? Well, I sent you a text. You know, good and well, I will get text messages. You have to email me or call me. Call is easier, and we can talk it out. So it's not just a young person's paradigm, but the reality is phone calls are reality in the business place, in the, especially in the white collar. It's a reality. You have to be used to it. You have to be comfortable with it. You have to get over it. And you have to force yourself to be over it if you want to succeed in the corporate world. That's just a reality. The other part of this is the bias, the theory that if you hire a female, at some point they're going to want to get pregnant, then they're going to be essentially ineffective for a period of time. This is the assumption going on. The truth is, is that if 
if they want to continue working, they can prove that they can still work and they're not completely, you know, disabled. And it's not work that's going to stress them out or, you know, do something that may cause a miscarriage. Because that's a real risk, right? And depending on the work, if it's strenuous work or it's heavy lifting work or it's stressful work. And that's, that's the reason, one of many, but that's the main reason why a lot of these bosses hesitate to hire somebody that is or may be in that situation because we all know, especially in the white collar, it's a stressful world. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to be pissed off. You're going to be upset. And sometimes there's nothing you could do about it. It's the nature of the work because of what they're doing fast. You heard it on all these applications, right? Fast paced. You got to keep up with it. You got to be a self-starter, self-sufficient and all these buzzwords don't mean anything. The truth is they know it has a risk of potentially stressing you out or frustrating you. And they know sometimes your emotions may get set off by something simple. That may not even be harassment related. It may be just something work related, like a customer that's frustrated and yelling in your face. This is a real thing, especially in customer service. Well, part of the, in the back of the mind, it's like if you're going for a job and you're in the interview across the table, that person, male or female, really, but they're thinking about that stuff. They're thinking about, is this person going to get set off because of a customer just got on their nerves or something? Will this person be able to keep up? Will this person show up every day? Will this person have to take time off? Will this person be a, will this person be more of a burden than a helper? These are all real concerns. And I, I would stress, it's not that in many cases, not all, but in many cases, it's not that they don't want to hire you. It's that they have an assumption about what you may or may not contribute. How do you offset that? How do you fight that? You fight that with work ethic. Work ethic is simply you do the stuff you don't feel like you should have to do. I say that and I pause because I want you to think about what I said. You do stuff you don't feel like you should have to do. I'll tell you, I don't take time off because if you take time off, number one, the nature of my client is I'm basically the best they got in terms of the work that I do. They, they're not going to be able to find anybody who can do it the way I can do it. So until we get to the point of more people who are at my level of comfort, it's not sustainable for me to get that. Well, the, the gift and a curse of who I am, it doesn't matter if I was an auditor because I used to be an auditor. It doesn't matter if it's customer service, I used to do customer service. It doesn't matter if it's what I'm doing now. It doesn't matter if I'm doing contracts. It doesn't matter of anything I've done in my tenure in different companies in different states all across. It doesn't matter. I seem to be able to stand out above because I push, I push till I get there, but then it creates a dependency where they can't do without me. And then if I up and leave, they're stuck in a lurch and I have to force them to, to step up and they're never going to be able to do it like I do. That's just the gift and the curse. And I've accepted that. But the downside of that is that means I can't just jump and take time off. There are people out who will say, screw that. I'm going to take time off. If I feel to, that's great. But understand the moment you take time off, you're going to be put on a layoff list. You may not think you are, but if you're not in management, you're going to be put on a layoff list if you take time off. Because in their mind, you have become a burden, especially if they depend on you for certain things. Now, if your job is you're one of five people and your other four people aren't stepping up, hey, that's a different ballgame. That's their problem. They get if they fall behind. It is what it is. If you have a manager who's not good about delegating work properly to where everybody has a distributed load, that's a different problem. I'm saying that if you're the sole person or the best contributor, all it means when you take that time off, you're, you're considered a liability to them. And it doesn't matter what your gender is, but statistically speaking, women will take time off more than men, statistically speaking. 
So given that, there's a bias, there's an assumption that hiring you means you're going to take a lot of time off. This, and this is my theory when I say this next, this is likely what contributed to the shift on the whole use it or lose it mantra. Okay, if you don't use it by the end of the year, you're going to lose, you're going to lose it all. Doop, doop, doop. And then you're saddled with work to where you can't really comfortably take it. And then people force the issue, which does what? Gives the company an excuse to lay you off come time. When the money dries up, Amazon had the spike during COVID only because people were stuck at home. They had no choice. After we started opening back up, their stuff went back down. And what did they do? They cut people. Same with Google. Same with Microsoft. Same with all these companies that they swelled up hiring, swelled up hiring, swelled up hiring. And then all of a sudden, now they're starting to cut the people that they brought in there. Men, women, whatever. Didn't really matter. And then the rush to AI caused more cuts. Where I'm going with this is simple. It's not necessarily a gender-based decision that they're making. It's not that. It is who's going to show up and who's going to do more than what they think they should have to do. And you might say to yourself, screw that. And that's fine. Just understand what it means. It means that you are going to be considered expendable. That's the reality, irrespective of your gender. Let's talk about pay scale. Because I did on the book of fallacy, I was talking about Okay. <laughs> and, and social justice, the book I re was reading the other day, and I'm going to revisit it on the next episode. This idea that everybody should be paid the same, which doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. A person who works in IT, I had this argument with an upper leader. A person who works in IT should not necessarily make the same that I make simply because I also work in IT. That's a fallacy. However, I am not anywhere near as good as a .NET or a Node or a React or whatever developer, Angular, which is on the way out, but I'm not as good of a code developer as somebody else. So if the job were to write code and it was all I was doing, which I would never do, but let's say I did, I would not expect to make more money than somebody who's been doing it five years, 10 years. And I wouldn't tell them how to do their job because they've been doing it longer than me. This has nothing to do with gender. Some of the statistics are skewed, though. They'll say, well, this type of developer, and this is a scam, and I'll tell you why in a second. They'll say this type of a role, an analyst role, an analyst role, you take a female analyst and a male analyst, and statistically, the males are always making more than the females. What HR has done over time, and you'd only know this if you're in your 40s, let's say, 40s or greater. It used to be that your job title was largely singular, as in very few people would share job titles, unless it was like customer service or blue collar jobs. That's different, you know, welder, right? But when you're talking accountant, you would always have accountant one, accountant two, senior accountant, lead accountant, right? Accountant trainee. They were all distinct though. Well, if you have two accountant ones, you still have a dimension of knowledge in there that's going to be a gap. Are we talking the exact same level of experience, the exact same level of education, the exact same type of training, the exact same nature of the work hired at the exact same time with the exact same cost of living and the exact same expenses to manage that role? I would argue no. Here's where that goes south. When you look at compensation, if they're looking at total compensation, they also have to look at how the healthcare splits happen. My, I don't work with W2, but if I did, my healthcare expenses are always going to be lower 
than somebody who has a family of two or three or four. Why? Because you're paying for every member of the family, right? So, and I'm just single, but you as that person who has a family of two or three or four get tax benefits, you get tax write-offs, you get all sorts of other stuff having a larger family, which lowers the amount of money that you're paying in taxes. Your withholding is different than what mine might be doing. The amount of money you spend to support the household is higher than what mine's doing. So the numbers that are being calculated are not accurately being done so. And there's all sorts of factors that go into that. Again, starts with where they hired at the same time, same level of education. And that doesn't just mean that you both have bachelor's degrees or master's degrees. That's not what I mean. If you got a master's degree at a C-level college and somebody else has a master's degree of Yale, the person who has the degree of Yale is going to get paid more than you. That's, that's the reality of the flaws of our education system at the higher level. There's that. There's size of the family. There's all your expenses it takes to take care of the family. And there's the nature of the work. Just because you have the same title doesn't necessarily mean you do the same work. Right now, I have a title that's essentially an architect-type role, but there are web-type architects. There's database architects. There's my style-type architects. There's PeopleSoft architects and all sorts of different platforms. And each of us has singular skills and, more importantly, singular demand. Certain platforms are in demand versus other platforms. The platform I specialize in happens to be in high demand, which is why I can command a high rate because it's hard. Number one, it's hard to find somebody trained to do it. Number two, it's hard to find somebody who could do it at the high level. Number three, it's hard to find somebody who's willing to accept your role that isn't already having money thrown at them. See, it's all, it's all a big trick. I trained people who had no skill set in it whatsoever, and then they became superstars in it, and now they're in high demand, where they can call the shots. The person I trained ages ago, and he started working for Princeton after this whole fiasco, and then he got this job that he, I think he's still there, and he's able to work from home. He's able to live in California like he likes to. I don't know what he wants to, but he wants to. He likes to live out there. And working from home, making really good money. I think he's making probably twice, if not three times, what he was making when I met the guy. Because the software that I specialize in is in high demand. And when you can start getting good at it, which takes years, arguably a minimum seven years of on the ground, actively building, building, building to learn and master it. And then you have to have the right mind. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by right mind in a second, but you have to have the right mind for doing it. I, it's in demand. It's not easy to get into something that's in high demand. I had to learn on, on the, in the trenches. And I happen to have, and this is where my story's going, I happen to have the director who I wrote the story about a long time ago, a blog post, a female, older, white, and she took me under her wing and taught me what I needed to understand about the real world and about corporate and how this needed to work and as well, work ethic, because she pushed me to step up my game. She pushed me to take it to the next. She wasn't having nothing. She wouldn't have, she wasn't allowing me to slack off nothing. I wasn't afraid of her. I respected her because she pushed me hard, harder than anybody ever had. You got to understand, I was in front of city councilmen. I've been in front of senators. I've been in front of uh, uh, Boehner, John Boehner. I, listen, I have been in front of some really high power people. None of them, none of them pushed me as hard as the director she did. Not nowhere close. She would railroad each and every one of them. If, if they have, you know, if the roles were flipped. So I, I took that, I took what she was given 
and I wasn't going, I wasn't going to slip. I wasn't going to fall down, but she was already at that level. She was already at director level. She was one of the most highly respected people in the company. At one point she helped found a darn thing so that I, she taught me that the narrative that it's this widespread deal that women can't get ahead. She taught me was crap because she was there and she fought to get there and she fought to stay there, but she earned that respect by that fight period. And then her replacement, I couldn't stand, but it was another female and she was a vice president. So she was already higher on the totem pole. I couldn't stand her. But the point is she got there too. And I saw that pattern. I saw it. I've known people that I've trained. I've personally trained that started at the low levels, customer service or whatnot. And they're vice presidents of companies or CFOs or whatnot. I've seen it. So for me, I know that there's, there's something missing. There's a gap. It's not as easy as saying, well, women in general are all, you know, depressed and, and they're, they can't all get ahead. That's not true. There's a gap. And I think the gap is largely, are we equating? Is it really truly apples to apples? Number one, I think that's number one. We got to ask the question because sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, but more important, we also have to try to understand the nature of the job and the path to get to a point. And don't think I'm disillusioned by thinking that there are some women who ultimately had to do what they felt like they had to do in order to get ahead. I know that's out there. I've talked to some of them, but I am saying that for the vast majority, there are opportunities to do certain types of work that you may not want to do and then work your way up to where you really want to go. Even if it's not the traditional conventional path. And even if it's not necessarily easy, my path wasn't easy and I'm a guy, it doesn't really matter. That's not what it is. What it really is. Sometimes you have to take, garbage to get to a point. I had to take garbage to get to where I'm at. Trust me. I worked horrible, horrible jobs on the way up. I was in multiple situations that didn't make any damn sense just to get to where I was going, but I just kept pushing past it. And I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm saying it's necessary. And I think it's even more necessary now than it ever was because of the decline of the blue collar. White collar in of itself is a discriminatory thing. It, it is designed to discriminate against black people, Hispanic people, women, young people. Yes, young people. The white collar is designed to discriminate against all of everything I just said. Because the white and older people. And you're like, how is that possible? Because the white collar doesn't care really about the people. White collar cares about the work. The experience then has to come from something. You have to start from somewhere. If you can't get your foot in, you can't get the experience. If you don't get the experience, you don't get the opportunity to work for another company to gain more experience. But they know that. It's a scam. If you're young, you're not going to have that experience. If you're old, they think the experience is not relevant. See how that works? It's all a scam. But that has nothing to do with your gender. That's the system working against every single person so that they can discriminate because there's a very specific demographic that they seek. That demographic is crystal clear. That demographic is somebody who graduated college with whatever honors at whatever bachelor or master, preferably master. That demographic is somebody arguably between the ages, I'd say 20 and 30 ish. That demographic is somebody who's going to come in and be a yes person and do everything that they're told. That demographic is somebody who knows the latest, greatest of whatever it is, technologies, tools, whatever, because they went to college. But most importantly, 
that demographic is the demographic who's going to be afraid. You'll be afraid to take time off. You'll be afraid to ask for things. You'll be afraid to ask for raises. You'll be afraid to ask for promotions. The fear is the reason why, in my opinion, we have this gap, truly a gender gap, is because women, for the most part, are conditioned to be afraid to ask for those things. Women are generally afraid to take those chances. Statistically, the vast majority of them just go to work and they're, they're afraid. They're afraid to get pregnant. They're afraid to take time off. They're afraid to ask for a raise. They're afraid to ask to be promoted. And so in their mind, they want it offered. But the game is against you. If you expect to have it offered to you, the game is against you because that's the outlier exception, especially now. I can't tell you the multiple times that I was promoted, it took what it took to get, actually get it. When I was in customer service, they were not going to promote me, even though I was the best on the floor. I was proven best on the floor. I was handling 13 cues where everybody else was handling one or two. And I had a 99% QA score when everybody else was in the 60s and 70s. I was the best on the floor. They still wouldn't promote, which is the reason I left. And I went to another customer service and I was the best there. I was the third in terms of the, just behind the team lead and the supervisor in terms of the quarterly bonus. Out of 16 people, I was number three just behind the team lead and the supervisor, which was a scam, but it was what it was. Constant high QA scores. I learned everything on the floor. I was the only person who did, and it still didn't matter. That's why I jumped industry. That's why I went out of customer service, because I knew it was a scam, because there was no way to get where I was trying to go, which is at the end of the day, this that I'm getting paid, it's not going to get me where I'm trying to go. And my message to anybody out there who's of the female persuasion, gentler persuasion, not all are gentler, but you know what I'm saying. My message is simply that. I believe, it's my sharing opinion, I believe it was all strategic, and I believe that what you're sensing, I've never said it's not true, I'm saying that the reasoning the media is stating is not really the true reasoning. Women have been conditioned to be afraid to push past all that garbage to get what you want. And in some cases, that may mean you just had to walk and go somewhere else until you find somewhere that's going to give you what you're asking for. Women have been conditioned to be afraid of these things. Some women are just like, whatever, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But I've seen time and again, women get laid off. Really good workers, really solid people. Some of the best that I've worked with get laid off. Now, there were theories that some of them chose to be laid off, hint, hint, wink, wink, so they could take the annual, the cut, you know, the pay, the, you know, severance. But the point is, is that I see them statistically more laid off than the men are. It goes back to what I said. The more you're taking the time off and the more you're doing these things that you should be able to do that they tell you they can and they sell them as benefits, it's all a game. Your job is to decide if the game is something you're going to play or not. And I think, and I don't know how many are listening that are younger. You know, if you're in your 20s, maybe you're just out of high school, maybe you're in college right now, you're just trying to figure it out, right? I'm going to warn you, in my mind, internships are valuable for what they are. But understand, the game is stacked against you. It's stacked against you not due to any fault of your own and not due to your gender. It's stacked against you because that's the way the system's always been. The system always has been slanted against people in general. And there's a trust aspect to it that I'm not going to cover for the purpose of this episode. Try to think past what you think you should be able to do. 
I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I'm saying try to think past it and focus on what you want and then have the courage to fight for it. And you shouldn't have to do that, but it's the reality of where we're going. Organizationally wide, that's where we're going. Some of you might have gotten that opportunity. Some of you might have gotten the open door. Some of you might have been able to get in there and get the opportunity given to you to where you're moving. Great. You're not done. You still have to fight to make sure to keep that position because I guarantee you there's going to be some sharks coming after you, not because of your gender, but simply because that's the way everything works.